I'll take it out.
friends, let's stand up and worship the Lord together. It's a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen.
that this is an upside-down kingdom. When you're, starting a, when you're starting a fire, you want just a little wind to make it go. And you have to wait for the right, right weather because if it's too windy, the fire will spread. And we've just been asking the Lord to come like a rushing wind that he would stir the fire, the little fire, the little coal, if you have anything in you, that he would just stir it. Because we all know what can happen with a little flame. And Lord, I just ask that today, Lord, that you would come like that rushing wind, that you would stir whatever coals we have inside of us, whatever flame, and that you would just make it burn and burn and catch and move, Lord. That it would be one. 
touching anything that we come against, Father. Do you guys remember those commercials where it says only you can prevent forest fires? Only you are getting in the way. He's ready to move. He's ready to blow. If we can just look at ourselves as truly forgiven, that he doesn't care what happened in your past. He doesn't care about yesterday. Or if you failed this morning, he's ready to he's ready to forgive you fully. If you just say no, just repent. The Lord says if we confess our sin and turn away from it, he is faithful and just to forgive us. pray that you would just let the fire fall, that you would let the wind blow and your glory come down, Lord.
Well, good morning, church. Good to have you this morning. Good morning, good morning. You know, um, when you uh, do any kind of, of uh, I don't know what you call it, study of, of church dynamics, they tell you, they will tell you, you, you can, you'll, you'll see this in a lot of different places. I check out things now and then. Uh, they will tell you one of the top five things that churches do that you should not do. <laughs> <laughs> 
and always within the top five is never do a meet and greet time during your church service. You know that? You know why they say that? It's because there's too many people in the church that it's too awkward for them to do it. Now, I disagree, not because it's not awkward for some people, but because the church is a family, as a community of faith. If all we do is rush in and rush out, sing a couple songs and listen to a sermon and head for the door, then, then the aspect of the community, the family of faith can be lost. Church is not a business you attend to learn some principles about your life. Church is a community of faith. And you realize there are certain aspects of the Christian faith that will be drawn out in you because you're involved with other people, not because you rush in and rush out. It's one of the reasons why, you know, when the Bible teaches things like, well, love one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another as the Lord forgiven you, you'll never run into those kind of things unless you live in a community with people. You think about that. So if all you do is rush in and rush out, then you'll never have time to be offended by somebody learn how to forgive. How about we talk about it that way? You know what I'm talking about? So we'll never lose our meet and greet time. We'll never lose, you know, time that we try to foster community together. And I know for some of you, you're introvert, you don't like it. You can sit there and say hi to whoever comes to you. That's okay. You're allowed to do that. But remember, church is a family of faith. Amen? So good morning, family of faith. All right. Well, it's good to have you with us today. I don't know why I was thinking about that. But anyways, um, let's take up your tithe and offering. If you have something to give, also part of the community of faith is we, we give together so we can be together. And, and one of the reasons, anyways. Offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If not, Mike's walking around with them right now. And also, Mike has prayer cards. If you have a prayer need, uh, or Chris has them, actually, wave your hand around. We'd love to pray for your prayer need. And, and uh, this, uh, whatever this is up here, uh, kind of communion tray, that's for prayer requests. We pray over those uh, very consistently, so we'd love to pray over your prayer needs. So if you have them, uh, write them out, give them to an usher, or give them to me after church. So let me pray over your tithe and offering. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to be together as a family of faith today, growing together, uh, learning together, helping one another, learning to live the Jesus way together. And I thank you for an opportunity to do that. And Lord, I pray as we give today, it's just, just another aspect of what it means to follow you, to, to grow into who you called us to be, Lord. Every time you ask something of us, like tithe, like offerings, Lord, there, there's more to it than just to act, but things that you're teaching us because we are obedient, and we thank you that you are growing us and uh, making us into something that you intend us to be. And we actually praise you for that. You haven't left us in our mess, but you're taking us somewhere. And we praise you today, Lord Jesus. So I pray as we give today, it's, it's an honoring to you in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. So if you have tithe and offering, please bring it down. I do have a handful of things I need to tell you about, so bear with me for a moment. But all of these things in some way are important. Uh, don't forget the Sycamore House uh, fundraiser, uh, throwing chains or cash, if you will, into the baby bottles. This is going to end next Sunday, which is Father's Day. By the way, it's Father's Day next week. Don't say I didn't give you a heads up, okay? That's next week for all the dads in the house. It's your day next Sunday. But not just that. We honor all the, all the gentlemen of our house. We appreciate you. But anyways, this ends next Sunday. So if you haven't grabbed one to do so, they're at the back door and bring them uh, by next Sunday and we'll get them over to Sycamore House. I'm going to throw that down here. 
Ooh, one-handed catch. Good job. All right. Uh, some other announcements. Yes, our VBS is coming. We're only a couple weeks out. So uh, Sunday night, June the 25th, Monday night the 26th, and Tuesday the 27th is our yearly VBS. So a couple things about that. Um, first is this. We're going to pass this around. Uh, this is sort of a volunteer help list for the VBS. It breaks down each aspect that we need help on, and I completely 110% forgot to put crafts on there, so somebody actually was smart enough, and they wrote it there and put their name there. So uh, we have help from need help Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night in these different areas. Uh, we pass this around Wednesday, so we'll pass it around now, so Mike's going to make sure this gets through the crowd. So I would love for you to help out. You can help out more than one night, one night, whatever works for you, but please sign up and help us out. This is our biggest kids uh, event of the year. Uh, and if you have a, a child, just know, I'm just going to say this now in case I forget to say it next week, uh, Sunday night is crazy hair night. Okay. If you have more hair than I do. Anyways, all right, Tuesday is sort of wacky clothes day, so that ought to be interesting. Did you see Chamberlain and Samara wore the same shirt today? Um, how many noticed that? I asked Chamberlain if he was wearing a girl's shirt or Samara was wearing a boy's shirt. But anyways, uh, they already started whack. I'm kidding. Uh, and then Wednesday is dressed like a farmer day. So the theme is, is creation and identity. It's animal-based. Even Wednesday night, uh, or, or, I'm sorry, Tuesday night at BBS, we'll have a, a little petting zoo outside. It's going to be a great time. So every night there's snacks, crafts, uh, uh, games, and also uh, lessons on creation and identity in Jesus. So I'm looking forward to it. So please... Uh, sign up for help. If you have questions about it, you can see Miss Kenzie right over here. She has all the answers to everything. So you can see her about that. <laughs> uh, okay, after VBS, don't forget youth camp for 5th to 12th grades. That's uh, July 13th to 15th. If you want your child to go, please let me know soon. Registration's already open for that, but I can give you more details about that. Uh, let's see. This coming Saturday, this Saturday at 9 a.m., I'm going to come here, and we got a handful of small projects that need done here in the church, a little bit of some painting, some cleaning, some organizational things. So if you can spend uh, two or three hours with me Saturday morning, come on out, and uh, we'll just spend some time doing some spring cleanup and refreshing around the building. We've been doing some things, but I, I thought I'd just try to put the nail in the coffin and get it done on Saturday. So that's Saturday at 9 a.m. this coming Saturday. Uh, and along with that, something that's been happening uh, is Amanda up here? Amanda, wave your hand around. Amanda leads every Saturday at 10 a.m. what's called Refit. It's about getting in shape. That's what I know. So if you have questions about that, you can see Amanda. And uh, I don't know if you guys are deciding to still do it this Saturday due to the church. Uh, you're not. So not this coming Saturday, but pick it up the Saturday after. So uh, every Saturday besides this coming Saturday, Refit's happening with Amanda. So please see her if you have questions. And another other thing I want to tell you about before we get our Bibles out is this coming Wednesday, uh, when church is over, we're going to have a fire pit outside. We're going to hang out and, and do some s'mores on Wednesday night. Sound good? Hang out for a little bit. So bring some lawn chairs, or unless you just want to sit on the grass, because I don't have chairs for you. So uh, we'll have a fire out there, some s'mores, some of the poker stick things, and we'll just hang out for a while Wednesday night when church is over. So having said that, get your Bibles out. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're headed this morning. We're continuing to talk about discipleship. Um, the goal of discipleship 
ultimately is to know Jesus. Amen. For all the other things that you think we benefit because we know Jesus, those are, those are good and fine and wonderful, but the ultimate goal of discipleship is to know him more. That's the whole thrust of salvation, is it not? Salvation in, in what it, it entails and in the, in the basis of, of the importance of it is reconciled relationship with God. That's what discipleship is about. You get to know him more, reconciled relationship. And we're going to continue to talk a little bit more today about discipleship is a total life commitment. You can't do it halfway. So Jesus is the master. He is the teacher. He is the son of God. And discipleship is basically to follow and to learn from him. And ultimately, that's what repentance is about. Yes, we repent of our sins, we ask for forgiveness, but then it means then to follow him and learn what life is really all about. That's why we have the value of living by faith. We live by faith because we're following Jesus. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13 uh, in the last part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which which. Uh, goes from Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many. Verse 14, For the gate is narrow, And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. See that? There is a wide road and there's a narrow road. You can't be on both. I I think some people would like to think you can kind of straddle the line a little bit. I'm just telling you, it's far enough apart you can't straddle it. So if you think you're straddling it, I'm just going to tell you probably where you are. Amen. And notice the narrow road. Now, now some translations have this part a little bit different, but the, the ESV, which I'm reading out of, it says the way is hard. See... You can enter by the narrow gate and live life as society lives it apart from God, and that is the easy way to live. Anybody can do that, by the way. But the narrow road in which we're called to is entered in by the gate. We're going to talk about that in a second. And it's a specific way of following Jesus that we can say the narrow road is long-term discipleship. Paul writes, there is a way that is marked out for us. He calls it a race. Different ways we can talk about this, but the narrow road is a way of discipleship of following Jesus. Now, I want to show you something. John chapter 10. Everybody jump over to the Gospel of John. John chapter 10 and verse number 7. 
So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, there's some translation, door there is actually gate. I am the gate of the sheep. All who came before me were, are thieves and robbers, in other words, false messiahs. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, I'm the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you go back to Matthew 7, verse 14, for the gate, Jesus, is narrow. And the way is hard that leads to life, and there are those you who find it. See, when the disciples laid down their nets to follow Jesus, there were, there were certain ones, not all the disciples, but some of them were professional fishermen. And Jesus called them to lay down their nets and follow him. What they did was they made a total life commitment. They gave up everything they were and traded it instead of carrying their nets to learn how to pick up a cross. They laid down their nets, the entirety of who they were, total life commitment, although they may not have understood it at the moment, in order to put their hands to the plow of the work of the kingdom. There was a trade. Nets for a cross, nets for a plow. They began to follow Jesus, the gate, and they found themselves on a narrow road instead of the wide road. And here's the thing that I want you to catch today. And they did so on the terms that Jesus set forth, not on their own terms. That's a big deal. They did so on the terms that Jesus set forth. And for them, the terms that were set forth were, follow me. And that, that meant to lay their nets down. But he taught them not just to lay something down, but he taught them to pick something up. Total life commitment. Again, we cannot sugarcoat what it means to live the Christian life. We can't sugarcoat discipleship. If your idea of Christianity is life made easier, you will find yourself disenchanted with it at some point. Let me say that again. If your idea of discipleship, of Christianity, of following Jesus, is simply life made easier, at some point you'll be disenchanted by it. Because the way is narrow and the way may be hard. Jesus tells us. And, and the thing is, he, he states it plainly. He didn't sugarcoat this at all. He said, lay your nets down. Let's go. You're going to follow me? You've got to give it up. See, Jesus is the gate. He's the entrance. He is salvation. And if you enter through him, then it follows then to truly follow him, you will do so on his terms. So I'm, I'm already going to throw up the first slide. Kelly or, or, or Noel back there. Noel's back there doing a great job. The first slide, cheap grace 
is wanting the benefits of Jesus without truly following him. That, that idea, that, that terminology, cheap grace, I picked it up from a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer in, out of a book called uh, Basic Discipleship. Pick it up sometime and read it. Learn about that guy. He's, he's a, a, a great theologian. Cheap grace is wanting the benefits of what Jesus will give us without really truly following him. You're trying to straddle the wide and the narrow road together. It doesn't work that way. Or here may be an example. I want to be forgiven of my sin because I understand it's sin and I have guilt and shame because of it. I want to appease in the moment, but I really don't want to enter into new life, the new way of living that Jesus is trying to teach me to live. You want as... Bonhoeffer also says, you want sin justified in your life forgiven, but you don't want the sinner to be justified in learning a new way to live. You want benefit without following. You want forgiveness but not change. You can't have that. See, what happens is it turns into wanting the things that benefits you when you want them, but not really going through the process that actually brings abundant life. That's trying to follow Jesus on your terms. You know, I see this sometimes. It's, not, it's sort of a, a, a kind of an extension of this. You see it in the church a lot, by the way. You see people that come into the church, and they're having crisis in their life, or they're stuck in life, or things are happening in life. they got struggles. They come to the church because in their mind, the church may be able to help me. True, we might, maybe. Can't promise it, though. I know Jesus can. I'm not sure I can. But they come to church and they find stability and consistency in the church. And through a, a period of time, they're, they're here, they're active, and, and good things are happening. Their life smooths out, and then they disappear. They just wanted the benefit of the community of faith, but they didn't want the long-term equipping of the community of faith. Same sort of thing. See, Jesus not just forgives us and sets us free from sin, but he sets us free in a way that we have life to live, and that's abundant life. We, we want Jesus, maybe think about it this way. We want Jesus to be my Savior, but I really don't want a Lord in my life telling me what to do. We want the benefits of the kingdom of God, but we don't want a king. We want what we need in the moment, but we really don't want to completely put our nets down. We're not willing to make the full trade. We kind of want to play, dabble a little bit. There is a wide road. And there's a narrow road. And for those that claim discipleship, the narrow road is where you've been called to. See, Jesus is the gate. See, kind of like this. My backyard when I was a kid had a gate on the back of it. An old wooden rickety fence probably had a, had a, a metal gate, right? 
Actually, one day after church, I escaped. I was a toddler. My parents got home. I'm the youngest of three kids. My sister's seven years older than me. My brother was five years older than me. So I was kind of a little bit later. Apparently, we got home from church. They let me in the backyard. We had a little dog, I guess. But the gate must have been open, and I took off. They went looking for me, couldn't find me. Eventually, I mean, they're looking all over the neighborhood. Eventually, somebody was walking door to door with me, trying to find out whose kid this was. They found me sitting. I went out to a road and sat down in the yellow line in the middle of the road. This man stopped his car, picked me up, and just started canvassing the neighborhood till they found my parents. Anyways, Jesus is the gate of salvation. But the gate opens to a way of life. You don't say, I'm saved, and you sit at the gate. Salvation isn't the end, it's the beginning. It's the opening. And what he opens you to is this narrow road that's a little bit more difficult to live than the wide one you were on when you got to do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, when you want to do it, without any thoughts to how you were doing it. But now all of a sudden, you've got to think about life in light of the gate that let you in. And now there's a certain way of being, a certain way to think, a certain way to act. And even with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the way still may be a little hard. That's doing life on Jesus in his terms. This guy named Soren Kierkegaard writes that we try to get this loving God's assistance, but often not him. He goes on to say, only when he becomes the way, the truth, and the life for you, only does he become everything to you. See, that narrow road, when Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am life, I'm the life. He's not just talking about reconciliation back to the Father, which he is, because he is the avenue for that. But he's also saying, but now that has happened, I'm the way to the Father, now I am truth. Listen to me. And what I'm going to tell you, you're going to find contrast with the wide way. If you really want life as God intends, it is this way. I'm the life. And you're going to find that way of living, you'll find difference in contrast with life on the wide way. And by the way, that wide way, it ends in destruction. So we must learn to live discipleship on the terms of Jesus. But here's something I want you to know, and I, I want this to settle in on your heart in a big way. And this, this is the second slide. Noel, if you'll throw the second one up. The narrow road is the same road of abundant life. I want you to think about that. Contemplate it. That needs to grab hold of you. 
This narrow road that you've been called to is the same road that Jesus said, now I have come to give you life and give it to the full or give it in abundance. The basis of what that means is, in other words, I'm going to show you what it means to live life without the destructiveness of sin in it. I think, I think we think of that verse when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me, and, and the devil comes, and the enemy comes, steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give an abundance. So how does the enemy steal, kill, and destroy? Think about that. However the enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus bringing abundance life is doing the opposite. The base root of stealing, killing, and destroying is what? Sin. That means the basis of abundant life is not just forgiveness, but living the narrow road because he's going to teach you something. That narrow road is the same road in which you will find abundant life. I need, I need to grab hold of you. We know the fullness of abundant life is going to come when Jesus returns and inaugurates the kingdom, but right here, right now, it's not as if Jesus is just going to whisk us away to heaven, but right here, right now, Jesus is returning humanity to rightness. So again, discipleship ultimately asks the question, what kind of person am I going to be? That's discipleship. What kind of person am I going to be? In light of my salvation, in light of the gate has been opened and now I see this way, what kind of person am I going to be? That's discipleship. I think we get so caught up, with, well, again, salvation is us going to heaven. Okay, yeah, it's true, but the here and now. If all he was concerned about was whisking you away to heaven, he'd already taken you. Why are you still here? Why are we still working this out? Because it's an effective witness while we wait of lives being returned to rightness in light of the revelation of Jesus. That's discipleship. And you can't do it when you're trying to play both sides of the road. Amen? It is the road of abundant life. And here's what happens, by the way. When, when you get on the narrow road, all of a sudden, you'll find, oh, I can't do everything that I just wanted to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, like I used to, right? And you'll find as you keep going down the road, things that you initially were compelled to do because of your growth and understanding and getting to know your Savior more, you'll, you just begin to freely do. I'll give you an example. So, uh, I think it's pretty obvious as a believer, your language should be clean in all sorts of aspects we think of your language being clean. Amen? All the way down to gossip and murmuring and complaining and the like. I'm not just talking about curse words. I'm talking about life, right? 
When you first get saved, you walk through the gate, you learn this, you go, oh, I can't talk that way about that person anymore. Light bulb. I've got to stop. You're compelled to do it. You want to because that person makes you mad. You're compelled to do it, but as you grow, you'll find yourself not wanting to anymore because what you were first compelled to do, now you do freely. There's change. That's the walk of discipleship. The wrong question to ask, by the way, let me just, the wrong question to ask is, hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you on this road, but what do I get to keep? And you come to him with a list. Do I get to keep this? And do I get to keep doing that? Do I get to, do I get to keep going there? Do I get to keep hanging around with this crowd? Do I get to, we want to, we want to, but the question is, not really wanting his answer, the question is you're trying to convince him that you can keep it. That, that's the wrong question. The right question is, I'm just going to pick up my cross. How do I do that? The right question is, I'm going to put my hands on the plow of the kingdom. How do I stay there? And however all that other stuff shakes out, it will because of total life commitment. You won't find yourself fighting for certain things and making excuses for certain things and knowing that's not right, but still trying to tow over off the narrow road to the wide road. His terms. Because when you lay your net down in actuality, you're giving everything up. Then he will put back what you get to keep. Amen? That's the narrow road. So Matthew chapter uh, 7, go back there, but go to verse 24 this time. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. This is the ending of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them would be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And certainly the rock is Jesus and his words. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them, would be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching as one who has authority, not as the scribes or the teachers of the law. They found something different with Jesus. See, abundant life, as we begin to learn it and know it and live it, is like building your house on the rock. When the winds and the troubles of life come and blow against the house that you are constructing with, of your life, you'll find yourself solid and sure and unmovable. 
So where we live out in the country, we have no wind block. We build our house in a cornfield. There's no trees around it. Other than ones I planted, they're not big enough yet to provide wind block. There are times, you know, Ohio gets windy. It's flat. The wind flies through this place. There are times, literally, it's so windy, you can feel our house bumping, especially up in our bedroom. Our, you can feel it just I'm thankful that the house doesn't fall over. That the construction company that built our house did a good job. Amen. I lose shingles frequently. The agitation of my entire life. Lost siding one time. Okay, dealt with that. But the house was firm. Now, understand, the house on the rock didn't mean a storm didn't come. It didn't mean a storm didn't come that actually didn't shake the house. There's, there's a couple times our, our patio furniture whoosh, right off our deck. My kids had a swing set that had those canopy things in it. Bad idea. Two occasions, that thing was picked up and slammed to the ground, and, and I rebuilt it one time. Second time, I lit it on fire. I was over it. Anchored that thing down. I'm telling you, it didn't matter. But pop it up. It doesn't mean storms in life won't come, but how's your foundation? Have you built it on the rock, or did you build it on the sifting sand? You ever been to the ocean? I'm not talking Indian Lake, ocean, where you're literally standing where the waves are coming and you can feel the current pulling you out, where and you, all, you kind of start sinking in the sand, your feet, you know, it's just the current will take you. My brother passed away in a riptide, he drowned. Got caught in a riptide at Ocean City, uh, I'm sorry, uh, not Ocean City, Maryland, down in Florida. He got, couldn't get out, got caught in a riptide. And the, the power of the sea took him. The power of the winds and the waves can take you if you're not founded on the rock. Now, I got to put this in context. Because what Jesus was saying here is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So what did Jesus say? Now, now, we can look at what Jesus has said, and we start to find some of this narrow road business. I would encourage you, by the way, this is a practice that I have. Uh, in my scripture reading time every Monday, I read the Sermon on the Mount. My practice every week. And the rest of the week, I back into my other uh, cycle of, of where I'm at in the scriptures. But every Monday, I read Matthew chapter 5 through 7 because I want to hear what Jesus has said in a way that I'm building my house on the rock. So go back to Matthew 5. We're not, we don't have to go there, Noel. But I'm just going to kind of, maybe a little bit, come down through the Sermon on Mount, give you an idea of the narrow road. Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, watch this one. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. You want to be on the narrow road? Learn what it means to be meek. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, they shall be satisfied. You want to build your house on the rock? Learn what it means to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Oh, here's a good one. You want to know what the narrow road's about? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are you if your heart is pure, because then you'll begin to see God. Yep, that's the narrow road. Oh, here's another hard one. Want, want, want to be on the narrow road? You want to build your house on a foundation that won't be moved? Blessed are you if you're a peacemaker. For they shall be called the sons of God, as we are like Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. That goes on to say, blessed are you if you're persecuted for righteousness. You want to talk about wanting to be blessed in your life? Let's start here. That's blessing. Blessing, finding favor with God. You can keep going. You've got to be salt of the earth, light of the world. All the way down, look at, look at anger. Starts in verse 21. You've heard it was said, shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell, hell of fire. Wow. Jump down, verse 27. You go, go back and fill the rest in sometime. It'll take you about 12 minutes to read straight through. You have heard it was said, verse 27, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in, in his heart. See that? That's the narrow road. Building your house on the rock. Oh, let's go down to verse 38. Oh, here's some hard stuff to work through right here. Watch this. You heard it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn him the other also. If someone wants to sue you, well, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. It had to do with Roman soldiers and things that they would do. Give to the one who begs you. Don't refuse from the one who wanted to borrow from you. Oh, and then, he, then it keeps getting harder. And you heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Mm. You know how you end up, watch, it goes all the way to verse 48. You, know what, you want to know what it means to love your enemies? Verse 48, there, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to love your enemies. Then, then he says, when you pray and when you fast, and when you give to others, don't do it in front of people so they pat you on the back. But do it in secret. And the Father who sees what you do in secret rewards you. We don't, we don't do spiritual things so people think we're spiritual. Amen. Then verse 19 of, of chapter 6. Don't store up yourself treasures on earth. Don't worry about it. But learn what it means to store up treasures in heaven. So much so, verse 25, he starts to tell you, don't be anxious about it. God will provide for you. 
Yep, that's the narrow road. All the way to chapter 7, verse number 1. Judge not that you not be judged. With the judgment you use, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then we, we look in the Scripture and find, oh, well, the Bible says we can judge each other. Yep, but in how you do it, that's what you're going to get. Be careful. You think your eyes are clean, but you've got the plank hanging out of yours. That's the judgment you'll get. Amen? See, you see these things? We'll keep going, but the point being... I want my house to be built on a firm foundation of rock. What did Jesus say? And are you committed to that narrow road when the way may be hard? Because it's certainly not the way of the wide road. The wide road says you can love your, hate your enemy and pay him back kind for kind, but Jesus said, okay, come over to the narrow road. It's not that way. Right? You see a contrast. That's what it means to give your life up and not try to do this Christian thing on your terms. Those are the terms of Jesus. That's what he's called us to. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, yeah, we're going to walk down this road. And there are times you may have to be compelled to act a certain way. You know what? My enemy, I like to punch him right in the head. But I won't because Jesus said this is a narrow road. But what I was compelled to do maybe for a while eventually because I'm actually learning and getting to know him, I begin to do it freely. And that's what life change is. That there's something different about me because I gave up my terms. And I don't say, Jesus, I'm going to walk this narrow road, but really can I respond this way? He said, no. I told you. You know this. Okay. Your terms. And I'm going to keep going. That, that is why we use this term here all the time. Listen, long-term discipleship. I say that so much because I want to get it in your mind. Long-term, lifelong that you don't exit here and jump off there and want to take a break here. No, 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 no. Long term, I'm staying on the narrow road this whole time. Even when it seems, listen to me, even when it seems it makes me lose in certain aspects of life. Because if you really want to win like the world does, then you have to act like them. Right? But there may be something in life that you don't get to win at because you live like Jesus. That's what it means to store up treasure in heaven. You don't get all your treasure now. You don't get it all now. To get it all now, you got to be like them. Just do what they want, how they want, when they want. You don't get it all now. But by living the Jesus way... We are learning to store up reward, treasure in heaven. And nobody can take it. You can gain this whole world and lose your soul. 
You can have all the treasures of this world and do it your way and lose your soul. That's why Jesus said, even to the point of this, when he was talking about lust, if your right eye caused you to sin, gouge it, it's better for you to be half blind but build up treasure in heaven and have both your eyes here. If your right hand caused you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to become left-handed than to lose your soul. He's talking some stark terms here, trying to get you to open your eyes. This is serious business. You can't play at this. So whose terms are you going to live by? Are you really going to say, Jesus, I'm putting my nets down? All of it. So I can learn how to pick up a cross. Or are you just going to try to drag the net and pick up the cross anyways? Not going to work. Got to drop one. Can't take them both. I want a church, I want a family of faith that's committed, committed, committed to long-term discipleship. Committed. Even when it's hard. Even when you don't understand. Even if you have to be compelled. Committed. Staying the Jesus way. He's forgiven you, but now what? Let's live this life, amen? Let's, let's, you know, when we think about fighting the good fight of faith, most of it has to do with you. We get mad at the world, get mad at us. Start here. Fight the good fight of faith here. Then you'll learn how to be a witness to the world that needs to see what your witness is. Amen? Now, I'll be honest with you. If that doesn't compel you, I give up. I quit. I'm kidding. I'll be back here next week, all right? Ready to go. Mara, you come up, please. The Lord spoke to me this morning on the way here. He said, minister to the people. That's why I wanted you to close out. So here's what I want to do. There are certain people that God was dropping in my heart during worship. So I'm going to call you out and have you come down here so I can pray for you. But that is not uh, sort of all. If you would like somebody to come pray with you, I want you to come down today. And you may say, man, I've been in this struggle for a while. Okay. Let's encourage you today. A lot of things going on. Okay, I get it. I know. The wind, the winds are blowing. The, the waves are pounding up against your house. I, I get it. Life. You may feel your house bumping. Okay. So we want to pray with you. I just know when the Lord drops things like this in my heart, I need to listen 
and take time. Now, if we're up here praying and you got to go somewhere, you can head out. Great. I'll see you Wednesday. We'll be back next Sunday. Don't have to stay. But as I bring some people down, I'm going to have Judah come down. Tom and Pat, I want you to come help me pray. Maybe some, uh, I may add, add to that as we go. But this was in my heart this morning. Margo's going to come down, obviously. Oh, it's our anniversary today. Did you know that? Yes. 29 years. Yeah. And we're still alive to talk about it, right? If you would stand up, I'm going to have some error. Just, just lead us. Jesus is all. Can you transition to that? And then go into other things too. But uh, I'm just going to pick some. But, but if I don't say your name and you want prayer, just please come down. So Sharon, come down. Don, come down. I saw Linda come in. Is Linda still sitting back there? Where's Linda at? Linda, come up here. Grab a seat right there if you would. Jennifer, come down. Oh, I'd like to talk to you, son. Come, come up here, if you would. April, come down here. We're going to, Rick and Tish, I want you guys to sit over here in my spot, okay? 